talk about a little bit of church history, what happened in uh, in this week in church history. Peter, why, why don't you kick us off? Yeah, Mark, so um, I'm sure you're familiar with uh, an African church father called Augustine, right? Ah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Augustine, yes. <laughs> yeah, and just August, his name is Augustine. Augustine, that's a book room. Augustine is the person. <laughs> <laughs> okay, great. Thanks. Um, so, um, a lot of people know Augustine, and uh, we love his writings, we love his contribution to Christianity and the church. But what a lot of people don't know about was the biggest influence on his life, and that was his mother, his mother, Monica. And this week, when Augustine was born a few thousand years ago, he was one month old. And as a one-month-old baby, his mother made a vow that she is going to pray for him every day as much as she can in order to pursue him for God. And uh, Augustine would, would often speak about how his mother and how God uses his mother as this as this hound that he calls it. He, he called God the hound of heaven, not as an insulting way, but as this hound that constantly tracks Augustine down as he's trying to run away from God. He, he hated God. He hated the religion of his mother. He loved his mother. He just wasn't interested in anything that his mother believed in. But his mother was so persistent in not just praying for him, but quite literally pursuing him. Um, mm. There's this one stage where he went off to Italy. He left North Africa and he, he went to Italy to escape his mother. <laughs> and she just came after him. <laughs> and and she found him there. And there in Italy, after conversations and sharing the gospel and praying, that's when he got saved. That's when he put his faith in Christ. I, I just, I love that story. I, I, it actually, it resonates with me. Um, as a as a child, I, I grew up in a believing home. My parents are both believers. They love Jesus. Um, my mother would share the gospel with me all the time, and um, particularly when we went to bed, she'd pray with us, and um, she would share the gospel with us that Jesus died for our sins. I actually, even as I kind of close my eyes now, I remember uh, scenes with myself and my sisters as, as very little children, kind of four years old, um, and my mom praying uh, where we lived in Pickering Street and in Port Elizabeth and um, uh, cut cut forward many years um, maybe 18 years I was living a life of 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 decadence um, uh, running away from God as far as I could and I remember my father saying that my mother would pray for me um, uh, every single day and that she would wet the bed pillow with her tears that my mother would pray for me with tears for my salvation that God would save me um, I think a godly mother is probably in the testimony of many many believers um, I knew that about Augustine uh, and I love that about him and about his testimony that it includes family members um, and I imagine even right now listeners listening in um, can talk of parents mm. who prayed for them and uh, shepherded them and shared the gospel with them and for those that didn't but are believers their aspirations of praying for their children and for their family member sometimes even with tears I, I want to just read a comment from Janice who's listening 
listening in this morning, says Morning Pastor Mark Penrith. Um, and I'm going to just add in Janice, uh, Peter Smith, uh, Table Talk. This is the highlight of my week. The song that I love so much at this time of year is Handel's Messiah. Mm. Oh, Handel's Messiah is a beautiful song. <laughs> just I, I, can, I can just picture a full orchestra and a massive choir singing all glory to God. Um, uh, you are right. Beautiful song this time of year, Handel's Messiah. Thanks for commenting on that, Janice. Um, in terms of uh, Augustine, you mentioned Augustine Bookram. Uh, Augustine's obviously had a massive impact on uh, on history, history of the Christian Church. Um, how, how have you accessed yourself, Augustine, um, by what others have written mm. about him, um, by those who have read him and then kind of published literature, or have you uh, accessed Augustine directly yourself? Yes, so I, I've I've read Augustine's autobiography co- called Confessions. Uh, you can, if you yes. Google it, you can get a free PDF. But if you go to a good book room like Augustine Book Room or Good Neighbors, you can get a, a easily translated English version, which yes. I highly recommend. Yes, and um, m- I think most historians uh, recognize that Confessions is the first autobiography ever written. Wow! Um, and Confessions for me is such an impactful book because. He wrote the whole book almost as a prayer. Yes. But one of the artistic, and I, I, I'm, a, I'm a bit of an artsy guy. I like to, I like to admire the artsy things, okay. you know, in literature or music. One of the artsy things about the book is, is his book is sometimes very confusing. Not in the sense of what his meaning is, but how his flow of thought is. Like he'll, he'll wander around yes. in his book a lot. Sure. But that was on purpose because. He's, he's trying to visualize how he would wander around and mm. eventually when he finds God in his book that's when his book forms a more systematic pattern and so I, I would highly recommend that book Confessions to any Christians as a devotional read um, definitely there are some sections which are harder to understand because Augustine was also a great philosopher mm. um, but there are so many amazing things. Quotes, if I can give you a few quotes, and yeah, I'd love sure. to hear what yeah. you say about them. For example, in, in the first chapter of his, in the first book of Confessions, he writes, God has made us for himself, and you, O Lord, and in you, O Lord, our hearts are, will always remain le- restless until they find rest in you. Yeah, it's beautiful. I've quoted it on Facebook and Twitter a number of times over the last uh, years. Um, it, it is a staggeringly wise quote. It is, yeah, and and one that I I read this week as I was just reading about Augustine again, and you know, paging through his confessions was one that I've experienced many times throughout this year. He says, "The punishment of every disordered mind." Is its own disorder, <laughs> and when I read that, I felt like he was yeah. pointing the finger at me because, you know, throughout the year there are periods, some weeks where things are not orderly, <laughs> and that's punishment in itself for me. And yes. and so, uh, and the book is full, full thousands of that type of perfect quotes. Yes, and I, I, I can recommend. I want to recommend everyone if you can get a copy of it, now, read it, enjoy it. Off the top of my head, I can't remember which book it was, but but I have read. Um, in the past that um, Augustine, one of his books, it was either Two Cities um, Mm. or it was Confessions, uh, is considered one of the most impactful books upon Western philosophy Mm. uh, and thinking uh, that came out of his generation. And we're talking, what, 400 
AD, yeah, thereabouts. 4.30. 4.30, thereabouts. Uh, thereabouts. Um, certainly, Augustine had a profound influence on Martin Luther, who loved the early church fathers and could quote them. I mean, he must have had something of an eidetic mind mm. in, in that he could quote the early church fathers without any manuscript um, before him. If he had read it once, he could quote chapter and verse, um, not paraphrase, but verbatim. Um, Martin Luther was certainly impacted by Augustine, and then even more so, uh, John Calvin in Geneva. Um, certainly lent heavily upon Augustine when it came to matters of soteriology. When I think of Augustine, one of the things that I do think of is um, his uh, his interpretation of the parable of the Good Samaritan, where he just hits allegory off the charts. I mean, just a, a dreadful interpretation, <laughs> which always helps me to remember. Never mind how much you revere a hero, um, always read anyone critically and against God's word which I, th- I think is a helpful you know kind of um, uh, what, standard uh, standard yeah. when it comes to anyone that you're engaging with in reading definitely <laughs> uh, especially our heroes in the faith I mean s- f- sometimes we can be naive uh, but I think I've been disappointed enough by my heroes not to be naive anymore but but it wasn't like that when I was a new Christian I yes. would discover someone like Martin Luther oh. I was like wow this guy he's the man and then you read some of the things he said about certain people and yeah. you're like you're almost like shattered anti-semitic <laughs> and then yeah. you go well how does that work out <laughs> yeah. you know how can you have a guy with such good theology saying some things which are so dreadful mm. um, and the same would be true of, of any writer yes. of the past so this week um, because we we're in the Christmas season and uh, because we're currently preaching at uh, Central Baptist Church a series focused on Matthew chapter 1 verse 18 to verse 25 and that has the verses which say as was spoken by the prophets this was to fulfill that which was spoken by the prophets that the virgin shall be with child and shall bear forth a son and he shall be named Emmanuel which translated means uh, God with us, and so I've been preaching a three-part a three-part sermon series, uh, God to us, focused on the prophetic kind of utterance, and I looked at particularly Isaiah chapter seven and interpreted Isaiah chapter seven and and brought that forth, um, and then we skipped over and we looked uh, this week we'll be looking at the virgin shall bring forth a a child, and so we're looking at him um, at the incarnation of Christ, and then on. Christmas Sunday, uh, which is the 25th, we'll be looking particularly at Emmanuel, God Mm. with us. So this Sunday, we're going to be looking at the incarnation. And so um, what I decided, I I started my preparation process quite early in the week and on Tuesday, um, I decided I wanted to read what the Puritans might say. So I headed over to a website called uh, Monarchism, which really often contains kind of writings of Puritans ordered by topic so I browsed over to the incarnation and um, but instead of a Puritan I, I found a link to a book written by Athanasius mm. and um, I, I, I linked over uh, obviously I had in my mind last Sunday this is a bit rambling but last Sunday we had in fact read the Nicene Creed because it contains elements which point to the virgin birth um, and so we read the Nicene Creed and then sang a song which was um, based on the Nicene Creed um, so I, I had the creeds in my mind I knew the Athanasian Creed I decided to go and read the Athanasian Creed it's a, it's a little bit kludgy um, and so I wasn't expecting much from a book written by Athanasius and we're talking as 
Athanasius like goes back again to those 400 mm. ADs um, to the Council of Nicaea, uh, Nicene um, and um, I, I read a book on the Incarnation um, and I, w- I read in particular the first three chapters Excellent. Sure. I, it was like it was written yesterday. So contemporary in terms of the translation, um, but even more so, um, the way that Athanasius approaches the incarnation and objections to the incarnation and applications which can be derived from the from the incarnation actually feel like a contemporary book. It was quite incredible handling a work which is one thousand six hundred years old at a time that the deity and humanity of Christ his human nature was being discussed and was being engaged on and to find a piece of writing which actually just felt like it could have been written last week that's amazing Uh, one of the publications of that book and I I think it's a publication that was published in the early 1950s has a foreword that was written by C.S. Lewis yes it's this book yes yes that foreword is enough to keep you busy for weeks. <laughs> uh, it's excellent. I mean, so C.S. Lewis, uh, for those who are tracking the conversation, we've been talking about guys from ages past Augustine, and we've been speaking about Athanasius. Uh, now you skip forward like 1,600 years, <laughs> and you hit an Anglican, um, and a fairly high church Anglican, um, C.S. Lewis. He's the writer of The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, which is the most famous for the Narnia series. Um, but he wrote plenty of other r- literature as well, including the screw tape letters, which are well worth reading. Um, and then um, on pain, he wrote a um, on pain. It was called, well, I, I forget, but an excellent book on uh, dealing with uh, with suffering and dealing with grief and dealing with pain after the loss of his wife. Um, but C.S. Lewis, a, prof- a prolific writer, actually mere Christianity, I didn't mention that, yeah. um, kind of a, a, a philosophical discourse and apologetic uh, to the modern mind, a book well worth reading. I know you've been reading one of his sermons mm. um, recently, but, but really a, a, a poet, an author, uh, a philosopher, a, a man of, of great excellence. And he writes the foreword for Athanasius's book on the incarnation. And maybe just to say Athanasius' book, the first chapter um, is just very broad, dealing with the person of Jesus Christ. The second two chapters deal with the incarnation, the virgin birth. And then the next two chapters deal with the death of Christ, the incarnation, um, allowing for a substitutionary atonement. Uh, excellent book. You can read it in just an hour or two um, at most um, and well worth reading. I'll put a, mm. put a link in the That'll show notes good. even now. Uh, when, it, when we speak about Athanasius, he's one of the, the, the figures also like Augustine. He's, he's African. Uh, in fact, um, Yay, some of his Africa. Yeah, <laughs> some of his adversaries called him the black dwarf, well, you know, because he was a short, feisty and black And I guy. love and I love short people <laughs> and I love African people. <laughs> so this and, works um, out well on every level. And um there's this there's this saying that w- that originated actually in his time is uh, Athanasium contra mundum, meaning Athanasius against the world. That's right. Because he was ministering and pastoring and serving and writing in a time of church history where the majority and the most influential people of the church universally were were heres, uh, heretics what we call today they yes. denied the divinity of 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 Christ yes and so Athanasius is seen as this sole figure not only in the super minority but as this 
highly almost uninfluential person fighting for truth for the bible against people who have the emperor's ear in fact i stand corrected but i think four times he was exiled mm, yes. so he would he would kind of come into the country and um, deliver an apologetic make a case for the deity humanity in christ in in undiluted fullness so fully god and fully man that's an athanasius um theological statement um and uh, he, he would kind of he'd kind of start the discourse and uh, those who oppose him the Arians uh, if I remember yes. correctly uh, would oppose him and Athanasius would be exiled but they wouldn't exile him for long because in actual fact uh, after a period of time it would be demonstrated that what he had said was true and they would bring him back and he would <laughs> take up the the gauntlet again and just attack the next thing um, I stand corrected but was it Athanasius who punched somebody or was that Saint Nick that was Saint Nick yeah was Saint yeah. Nick, the patron saint of all things Christmas, yes, uh, the correct. person who began he, to be called Santa Claus. Yeah, he punched Arius. Arius. Yeah, so when he when he said that uh, Jesus. Look, we're uh, not condoning <laughs> violence. Okay, so <laughs> we, we're not saying like if you disagree with something Please, on the Christian don't. faith, uh, faith, uh, the the right mechanism is to punch a guy. Um, but, but but yes. But uh, you appreciate the passion. The passion. <laughs> you do appreciate the passion. Any other favorite Augustine quotes? Yes, definitely. This. Here's one that he, he writes about the nature of love. Uh, someone asks, what is love? And he, he, he then s writes the following paragraph. He says, what does love look like? It has hands to help others. It has feet to hasten to the poor and needy. It has eyes to see misery and want. It has ears to hear the sighs and sorrows of men. That is what love looks like. Wow. That feels like it should almost be Paul, Pauline, right? It should yeah. almost feels like that should be somewhere in one Corinthians. Uh, that, that is that is a very very beautiful quote indeed. Um, can I drop a can I drop a, <laughs> a favorite Saint Augustine quote? Yes, um, of course. And th this is in the context of so Saint Augustine uh, germinated a soteriology. That's a study of um, all things. Um, related to the doctrine of salvation, wh which really emphasized this, emphasized the sovereignty of God in salvation. Often, as a straw man, when we talk about the so the sovereignty of God in salvation, we 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 talk about um, man being robbed of free will or man being robbed of his estate. Well, that just simply isn't true. Neither in Augustine's writings, nor in Calvin's writings, nor in a Calvinistic writing or a, a writing which focuses on the sovereignty of God. Augustine wrote, and as a quote, "Pray as if everything depends on God. Work as if everything depends on you." And I think that's a a sweet. Um, joining of both the sovereignty of God, pray as if everything depends on God, and the responsibility of man, work as if everything depends on you. I think it's a, a sweet joining of those two ideas in a single quote, and th that's the quote from Augustine that I, that I remember <laughs> and hold on to. Yeah, no, definitely, and, and uh, having biblical theology like that brings so much comfort because it removes so much anxiety. Um, just on a on a bit of a tangent um why <clears throat> why good theology is should be so important to us is because there's the story in in uh, when I was in Grace Fellowship uh, Pastor Jewel James Church yes. there was this old lady and she was very sickly 
and the reason she was very sickly was because she struggled to sleep at night and her the root of her sleeplessness was nothing medical it was theological she had this understanding that <clears throat> sorry that uh, god and the devil are like 50-50 yeah and that at any time if the devil gets the upper hand and god is maybe pinned or looks away that the devil's going to come after her and because of that she was so scared um especially at night and i remember the elders of the church just sitting her down taking her through the bible showing her that god is sovereign god is the one in control uh, a martin luther quote that comes to mind is that the devil is god's devil mm. that, and really to interpret martin luther that god has sovereign control even over the devil yes. the devil doesn't get to tell god anything completely and and that after seeing that from the bible after learning that and trusting god for that she could sleep <laughs> she could sleep yes. she could recover and that for me is such a good example of showing that we should really take truth seriously because mm. it's not just abstract it quite literally influences our lives um i think it was paul tripp that said you become what you behold mm. 